0: We're recording again, everything is awesome, everything is cool when you're part of a team, everything is awesome, oh my goodness, when Paul's living
1: his dream, three, two, one. I think I'm living a nightmare right now, actually.
0: You are so mean to me. (laughs) What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside pop culture with Fanboy and Know It All. I'm Jake. I am Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains, or at least one one of ours. Paul's Paul doesn't like to open himself up to people. <laughs> <laughs> he just likes to There's shut truth down. To that, actually, <laughs> we we need to have Wendy on the show. Work some stuff out. Oh, figure out goodness. figure out what's going on behind you know behind the the mask.
1: Yeah. If Wendy was on the show, she would tell you what's what. I'll tell you that much. <laughs>
0: it's I, I feel like I'm just – every time we record, I'm living what we saw in First Man. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm just trying to get – just like they're trying to get to Ryan Gosling's <laughs> exactly. version of Neil Armstrong and he just keeps stiff-arming it, right? Keep Pushing everything away. Everything bounces off him like stuff bounces off the atmosphere. Yes. And that's what it's like trying to – That's get, exactly right. That's you know, exactly let right. Us, let us know you, Paul. That's all we want.
1: Let me just – Go into my office. Close the door. Just don't bother me because I've got to go to the moon or
0: whatever. <laughs> got to go to the moon. Got to go to the moon. Drop a bracelet. All this great all this Bob, stuff. what are you
1: doing? What? This
0: is history. It already it, happened. No. You can't spoil what already happened. Oh, my
1: goodness. Look, if
0: you guys didn't know that no. Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, <laughs> it happened, okay?
1: But you Steph, don't know?
0: Steph Curry, this is for you. We landed on the moon. We landed on the moon. Neil Armstrong stood on the moon. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. It happens in First Man 2. They don't change history. So there you go. Or at least not with that fact. But <laughs> yeah. we're we're not here to talk about First Man. We're not Man. here to talk about First not, Man. Although it
1: would be a great conversation cuz it was kind of an interesting movie.
0: It it was, and I think we I think I touched on it. I I made the poor decision to add it to my yeah, roster for my fantasy movie award season. In the draft, right, right, for the fantasy movie awards season. Which,
1: um, just for the record, I am completely. We already talked
0: about that. Dominating. We already talked about that. That is old I, news. I don't think we can possibly, ever talk about fake, it too much. News. possibly fake news. Possibly fake news. I can't prove that Paul didn't wasn't in collusion with the intelligentsia behind the awards. Yeah, uh, like I've, I'm getting records. I'm getting tweets telling me that perhaps there were some discussions. You know, Paul says that they were just there to talk about. What they're going to eat for Taco Tuesday, but I believe he was working to me and the Academy to influence the outcome right. of the award yeah. show selection.
1: The Academy and I, we get together quite a bit.
0: Uh, it's just, guys.
1: And I said, "No, no." There's a conspiracy
0: year. here, and I'm going to be launching a committee to to investigate because. Yeah. Ah, uh, you know Paul likes to protest about Tom Brady and his cheating. Oh bias. my goodness! Rightfully so. Yes. But Paul protests too much. Methinks thou dost protesteth too mucheth, <laughs> to quote Shakespeare.
1: <laughs> to quote Shakespeare, I don't think that's a direct quote from Shakespeare. It's. I'll look it, it up. is. It is.
0: Right. It's in Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, right. do you even English, bro?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd make fun of your education, but we, for at least part of our college careers, went to the same college. Yeah, that's so true. I can't, I can't quite defame it without accidentally getting some of the mud on myself.
1: Yeah, I actually got a degree from there.
0: But um, as, uh, as we talk about award season, we're almost to the cream of the crop, and I use that term quite loosely. Quite loosely. For movie award season, and that's the Oscars. I mean, they're they're right here. They're in right fact, here. you may be listening to this after the Oscars, and if so, well, like, welcome to the past. How's the future? We want to know. Um, but we, um, I limped into the studio. I'm 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 playing on an injury right now. I Are injured you? I injured my finger. It's really hampering my um. typing ability. But I limped into the studio for recording today because, for the fifth time, in our show's history, we, we attempted to record with one Christian Toto.
1: One legendary Christian Toto,
0: and we're hope we're hopeful. I may have to come back and, and
1: <laughs> redo this whole introduction. Redo the whole introduction, or just leave it here you know, as a symbol of been... my
0: shame. If for whatever reason the recording with Christian didn't <laughs> yeah. turn out again.
1: Oh my goodness, we have tried so often. So if Christian you're in the, the future
0: listening to this, and Christian, we never have a conversation with Christian Toto about the Oscars. Like, say a prayer for me. Yeah. Say a prayer for me. That's all I I can say about that. But we're going to talk about a movie that I hope shows up at next year's Oscars, like a separate from this year's Oscars. We're going to talk about Lego Movie 2. This is a spoiler cast for Lego Movie 2 because there's a lot to unpack.
1: There is a lot to unpack.
0: This is high cinema,
1: and I don't
0: (laughs) don't even say that lightly.
1: It's one gigantic commercial. I mean, really.
0: The best commercial that could ever have been done, or second best, maybe. Second best. Third? Third best? We'll see. All right. Are there better commercial movies out there? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see when we talk about it. And, of course, as we love to do on every episode, we'll wrap up with the most least least important thing. But now I'm going to go out on a limb right now because I haven't even received this audio file yet. (laughs) But I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say that we're going to transition to – Our Oscars conversation with Christian Toto. But, parentheses, (laughs) if you go to the segment music and when I start talking about the Lego movie 2, you'll know something (laughs) went wrong. The
1: fifth time was
0: everything went wrong. Call the SWAT, call the hostage negotiators. Something's gone. Like, I've gone missing. Say a prayer for me. (laughs) So, here we are living under prayer. Marker, I mean, I, don't, I just here goes nothing, guys. Here we go. Here we go. All right, so we are going to just jump right in with the illustrious Christian Toto, and on this ill-fated segment,
1: <laughs> we have we have tried to have Christian on as a guest for so many times, and something was always going wrong.
0: Right. This is this is crazy for me because for. For for us, this is the fifth time we've tried to do this. And for the audience, this is the first time they're ever going to hear anything. Yeah, yeah. And I, so it's going to be fresh and new even though we've had this conversation. This is going to be the third time we've had this conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think part of it is is that Christian Christian is his own media mogul. He has podcasts. He talks on the radio. He does blogs. You can find all of his stuff at hollywoodintoto.com. Is that right?
2: That's it. I'm the gesture of all media.
1: Yeah, so I think that we were feeling. I th- was feeling a little bit maybe intimidated by having you on here because you're going to be smarter than both of us combined.
0: Well, we Much. decided. We decided the last time. <laughs> we decided the last time that it didn't work. That the real problem is that Christian is a vampire, and that apparently vampires can't be recorded by our audio equipment. Could be.
2: Could and be. so that sounds plausible. I like to think of myself more as a Sasquatch character. Like you can't really. Wow.
0: Oh, that's good. Maybe like a hybrid. Maybe your dad was a Sasquatch, your mom was a vampire. <laughs> that's right. A whole Romeo and Juliet thing.
1: Not sparkly, but just hairy.
2: Exactly. I, I, I smell a Twilight spinoff, which sounds terrible.
0: <laughs> it's like all his Sasquatch hair is massaged with like lotions and conditioners that have sparkles in them. So he doesn't have sparkly skin, <laughs> he has sparkly fur. Oh
1: my goodness. We're getting way It's prior. quite the
0: visual on this Hangout. It's too bad this isn't a video podcast.
1: So speaking of leaving a big footprint, we are going to be talking about Oscars today with Christian.
0: That's ironic because the Oscars don't have that big of a footprint. Well,
1: <laughs> I think that might actually be a good way to jump right off here. Are the Oscars losing influence culturally, do you think? I mean, Yes.
0: Next question. <laughs> this, year,
1: this year was actually one of the first years, and I think we've, we've talked about this before. I, I get pretty pumped for Oscars. This year, I was not very excited about it. I wonder whether there's just sort of this cultural malaise or whether Oscars are losing their relevance. And if that's so, why?
2: Quick, what movie won Best Picture last year?
0: Uh, the Shape of Water.
2: Shape of very Water. Very good. But I had to think now, of I've heard. I've, I've heard multiple people ask that question, and there's a magnificent pause where they go, what? Uh,
1: mm, eh. Yeah. No, I was thinking 12 Years a Slave, Moonlight, La La La. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's uh, that's a part of the problem. Yeah, listen, the Oscar luster is mostly gone. Uh, to, and and you, it's funny when I was a kid, I would look forward to the Oscar telecast. It was like a big day in my life. Of course, I didn't have much of a life, but still, to, <laughs> today it's a day that I, I dread, and I dread uh, it. You know, part of it is partisan. I'm am right of center, and the the event is is all, almost now uniformly left of center. But I just don't. The event itself, it doesn't have any. Thrill for me. It, it's not entertaining. You know, it's funny. I, when I see the Oscars, I want to see Jack Nicholson and Denzel Washington and these mega, mega stars, the best of the best. And often we'll get like Aquafina. Now, she's a rising star, and I thought she was very good in Crazy Rich Asians. And I get why she's going to be there this year. But she doesn't have that luster that, oh my gosh, it's a major movie star. And I, I think that's just part of the problem as well, is that I don't think they get the best and the brightest anymore.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's that's really true.
0: And Is it that they don't get the best and the brightest or they just don't put them on stage? Because I feel like we see some of those people there. You see Meryl Streep mm-hmm. there. You see Jeff Bridges. You see Denzel. But they're not the ones on stage.
1: Well, and I wonder whether yeah. stars are as big as they used to be. I mean, uh, being an old movie buff myself, I mean, I, I still think when I think movie stars, I think Cary Grant, Humphrey Bogart, Katharine Hepburn, and – I think that maybe the age of real honest to goodness movie stars might have might have ended with Denzel almost, you know? Mm-hmm. I, when I think about when I think about people who have sort of that cachet, that presence about them, you just don't have as many up and comers that have that kind of gravitas. And maybe it just takes time for that to develop. But I just don't think that Stardom is quite as big of a deal as, as it used to be.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Part of it is I think we see stars everywhere. They're on every late-night talk show. You see them on social media. You read magazine profiles. I think the, the, sort of the allure is gone. You know, Jack Nicholson, listen, he's about in his early 80s now, so I'm, I think he's got better things to do than pop up at the Oscars. But <laughs> he didn't do a lot of that publicity. He was sort of reticent about that. And I think that created a – it's a Jack sighting. Oh, my God, he's at the, the Lakers game. And then that was – it made it sort of feel fresh and wonderful – but Tom Hanks is everywhere, and I, I don't think it's that big a deal that Tom Hanks may be at the Oscars, you know, come this month. So I, I think that's part of it. And also, they're talking about the Avengers. The Avengers are going to assemble to give out an award. Well, to me, the the cool thing about the Avengers is the Avengers is like that brand is what I care about. I don't think I really care that uh, the guy who plays Hawkeye is going to be on stage. I, I, he doesn't have the cachet to me, but the Avengers brand does, and that's part of the problem as well.
0: Well is it I want to sit uh, on the celebrity thing is it that we don't have stars I I would actually maybe contend that it's the path to stardom has become very different and the number of people that can have levels of fame is very different because of the fact that everything is you know moving into the niche and, every, you know, people can – one person can come up through Twitter and one person can come up through Instagram and one person can build their following on Reddit or, you know, on Twitch or, you know, wherever. And so I wonder if it's just that we have a flatter – I mean still not totally flat but just a flatter celebrity culture these days because you don't – you're not – it used to be that you had to get in with a major studio and they would make a million pictures with just you, right? Right. And a couple of, you know, rotating cast, you know, extras. But now we just you've got YouTube stars and Twitter stars and Instagram stars and movie stars and Netflix stars. And then they start to intermix with each other. And all of a sudden, it's just that we've got this wide range of celebrities. And so there's nobody that just skyrockets, and they're the only thing right. there is. Yeah,
1: I think that back in back in the day, maybe stardom was a little more curated, and I think that there was a way to get to both of your guys' points, I think um, I think social media has really sort of damaged the ability to even create stars as we used to know them. You know, I think as we become, used to know them, they, I'd agree with they that. They can become celebrities. We have a very, very celebrity-soaked culture, right? But I think in terms of stars, there needs to be sort of an element of, I mean, the whole reason why they're, they're called stars probably is because they're unreachable. They're up in the atmosphere. They're, they're, they're sort of beyond us. And, and so because of that, you need sort of this aura of mystery. And with, with social media, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of mystery anymore with a lot of these people.
2: And I think Jake makes a great point. I mean, you could say and argue that Kim Kardashian is a bigger star than anyone who will be on that right. stage that night. Right. It's just a different kind of stardom. It's a different kind of fame. Uh, but I, I also think there is something to be said about when we know too much about the stars, maybe even about their political opinions or the, the fact that they're rather mean on yeah. social media. That sort of takes away from it, too. You know, uh, Ellen Barkin is an actress who I've always had respect for. She's pretty talented. She's been working for decades. If you read her Twitter feed, she's vicious and angry and sour and bitter, and if she were to be on the stage that night, and she's unlikely, she, her, sort of her fame has fallen a bit, I, I, I would bring that baggage to it. So it wouldn't be like, oh, cool, Ellen Barkin, I love her worlds. So I'm like, oh, she said those terrible things. And, and I think that's part of it as well.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you a question on that. I know we're sort of getting a few, far afield well, from but Oscars. this is, but, yeah. but this has always been sort of an interesting question to me. When you know, when you know quite a bit about the people who are in a, a particular movie or a television show or whatever – how does that impact how we view those people in the movies and the television shows that we watch? I mean, are we able to to separate the characters they play from the actors that they are? Um, is, that a, is that a difficult thing to do?
2: I think it is when you're not that talented. I think there are people who are so talented that you can put aside everything you've read about them when they're on the screen. Uh, Alec Baldwin seems like a nutty fellow off screen. But he's very good. He's very charismatic. He's handsome. He's charming. He's funny. So when I see him on screen, I can I can kind of separate that pretty easily. I think a lesser talent who's very over the top in his or her ideology or, or thinking or s- statements, it becomes more of a challenge. And I think that Sean Penn, as gifted as he is, has crossed that line for a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people and say, listen, I'm out when it comes to Sean Penn on the screen. Everything he's said through the years has been so distancing. I, I can't even watch him. So I think there's that there's sort of a line where they, where it becomes too overwhelming. And I think for some people, even Meryl Streep has become that because she's great and has a zillion Oscars, but she's become so sort of forthright in her opinions that it becomes harder to separate. Oh, it's Meryl Streep on screen. It's just what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the advent of social media also can give those of us who use it a lot, a distorted view of reality. Oh, because yeah. we we are in this echo chamber where like hey the fact of the matter is twitter isn't the most used daily social media platform out there it's actually even below snapchat which has fallen well below instagram which has fallen well below facebook which has fallen well below youtube so it's like way down on the hierarchy but it gets so loud on there that it's easy to think boy this is everyone's opinion and mm-hmm. they're turn you know like so You know, they're turning off Meryl Streep. They're turning off Sean Penn. They're turning off Nike because of Colin Kaepernick, whatever it is. But then you go out into the real world and it's like, well, no, Meryl Streep keeps making bankable movies. And, you know, Sean Penn has continued to get work over the years. And Nike's stock has risen. And so I think there's also this disconnect between those of us who like to think we've got. A voice and like to think that we've got a finger on the pulse, and the reality that there's a whole lot of people that are just making decisions with their money and they still love Meryl Streep, even in mm-hmm. and they're not hearing what she's saying on Twitter or what people are saying about her on Twitter. And so, we've got this weird hybrid model where there's a small but loud group of people on social media, and then this larger, quieter, but with money group that's still going to see stuff.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic, and I think that social media has really changed so much of how we think about entertainment and celebrity, and it, it becomes very entangled. You know, it's yeah. it's it's a fascinating thing.
0: Well, and I think it, I think that actually is pertinent to the Oscars, in that the Oscars to me feels like a a snobbier version of Twitter mm. and social media when it comes to movie opinions. In that there's this small group of people that think they have the best taste and that they have all the say, and in the Oscars they do. And then there's this whole swath of America that's left out in the cold, and then listening and then seeing their opinions come Oscar night. And it's like, well, what is this? Like, who had a say in this? We didn't. This isn't reflective of us. And I think back in that star studded early days, when the only things any of us were seeing were these big pictures because everything was curated through these big studios, it was – if the Oscars might have felt more like us because this w- these were some of the only movies we could have watched where now we all have our own little niche communities. We all have the things we actually like but then the Oscars are over here in La La Land and – As it were. Literally and in La La Land. And that's not
2: something you can fix really. I mean I think that's right. a problem that's been going on for a while uh, like a movie like Moonlight, it's a good film, but I think most people didn't see it, and the box office was very modest for that movie. And yet, you know, Titanic from '97, I think it was, that was the big. Everyone saw it, everyone talked about it. But we we're it's less likely that we'll get that again. I mean, I think the best, I think the winner for the best picture this year will be Roma. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and even though that's Netflix and has the accessibility factor, I think most people will still have not seen that movie. Whereas. Almost everyone has seen either Star is Born or Black Panther or even Bohemian Rhapsody.
1: And see, that's one, the, that's one of the push-pulls that I have when it comes to these award shows in some ways because I really appreciate the popular sentiment, and I, it, it kind of drives me crazy sometimes around this time of year. When some really good, quality, fun films that people actually see are not recognized. you know I think I think a quiet place was was brilliant, and I wish it would have I wish that it would have gotten nominated. But then you look at a movie like Roma, which, for my money, is a brilliant movie and you want that to get recognized. You want it to, mm-hmm. to sort of draw people in and, and you know the, to recognize something that not everyone will have seen, that is still a movie worth seeing, I think there's some value to that too. So so I have this this real tension within myself as as to what an award show like the Oscars should be.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean I think that's that's kind of the crux of the argument here is should or does it need to, the Oscars, do they need to become Populist? Do they need to include a fan vote where you know twenty-five or fifty percent of the weight of uh, any what's going to be put that in each category goes to the fans, yes. like it does for sport, like our major sporting events? Or does it need to double down on its sort yeah. of exclusivity and say, "Look, we actually don't care yeah. at all." Like they, they sort of. I feel like they're trying to straddle to say, right. "Like right. these are representative of the best of the best," but. Really, they're not in the view of the public. And so do they need to just bunker down and, you know what, this is our opinion. This is a niche, you know, illustrious Intelligentsia award show. Pay attention if you care, but we're going to do it anyways. Or do they need to let the public back in? Because honestly, I think they're losing less and they're losing more and more of their – no their I, cred with the public.
1: I would agree with that i I just wonder whether there needs to be almost a different sort of award show. When I look back at, at Oscar winners in the past in the forties and fifties and and even into the new century, every once in a while you had really strong movies. But the, the movies back in the day, I think, were movies that we're still watching today. You know the gun with the winds. The you know you have these these movies that that contain still have their their cultural relevance. Mm-hmm. And what you asked at the very beginning, Christian, what was the last uh, the last movie to win a Best Picture Oscar? That's really relevant because I think that a lot of the movies that that are are awarded Best Picture now, we forget about them. They may be really nicely crafted movies, but we just forget about them. They don't have the staying power. And I'm wondering whether just a whole new awards thing needs to happen to sort of recognize the movies that we really think will have cultural impact 20, 30 years from now. Well, I think
2: ultimately there are too many cultural winds blowing against the Oscars. It's the fact that the movies aren't what they used to be in certain ways. It's the fact that stars aren't what they used to be. It's the fact that the event itself is getting more elitist. It's the fact that we're a splintered culture. I think there's there's just too many things going up against it. Like, here's, I think the ultimate question for both of you, how would you fix the Oscars? If you were in charge of the Oscar ceremony, what would you do to make it better? And better is subjective, but I'll just throw it out there.
1: Yeah. So um, it's a really good question. And I I don't know if there's an easy solution to this. I I think that, that Jake sort of alluded to it. I, I think that over the years, we've seen attempts by the Oscars to become more populist. You know, opening up the the Best Picture category to more films, so that so that movies like a Black Panther or whatnot could could more easily get in. You saw a feint toward that with the Best Popular Picture that they were talking about, that new right. category that they were talking about right. for a while. I do wonder whether. I don't think you want to open it up to just people voting online. I don't think that that's really the solution because who knows how many Transformers movies might win if that was yeah. the case. <laughs> but, but I do think that maybe there would be a place to incorporate different sort of Oscar voters. You know, people who have – I still want it to be vetted. You know, it, for me, I'm, I'm still enough of, tradi- of a traditionalist where I like to have the gatekeeper. These are excellent movies – and they should be recognized. But to take it out of the the industry maybe and to bring in some new voters who love movies but who aren't so tied into the industry, I think that might be a way to, to sort of help things along.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I'm going to double down on my suggestion and say that I think you have terrible. to – No, it's not terrible in <laughs> in that – I'm not saying that all of a sudden it's entirely fan vote. I'm not saying it's right. 100% fan vo- vote. I'm actually not even saying it's 50% fan vote. I'm saying actually maybe it's 50% your Oscars, whatever they call themselves right now. What do they call I don't this is how much I know about the Oscars because I don't care. But whoever votes on the Academy. <laughs> the Academy, yeah. Yeah, we'll call them the Academy, right? That's yeah, what they're called. Yeah. Um they get their their votes are weighted with 50%, you know, of the overall power, then you 've got like the industry, the actors and directors and producers, you know outside of those that have already been included in the academy. theirs is worth twenty five percent of the final weight, and then the fans are worth twenty five percent of the final weight, and that way you have some give and take between the different inputs, and so you know yes, there may be a flood of fan votes on something, but will that always overcome yeah. what we and i th- I think there 's more taste. There's one thing between, uh, there's one thing to put dollars to go see Transformers movies, right. but there's not as many people that are going to rush to flood the Transformers Oscars box. All right. So and again, if you properly weighted against those who have more experience in the industry, I think I think what you'd come to is probably a little bit more equitable.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. 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 Like the NBA All Stars. So selection what about you, process. Christian? How would you fix the Oscars? I mean, besides making yourself, you know, the the ultimate vote person. The That's dictator.
2: Right. One vote. One person, one vote. I, I mean, I think you start with the ceremony itself. I think you bring the host back. Um, I think you tell – I think you gather – you sort of send out a message to everyone in attendance. And listen, I know you have political thoughts. I know you have political feelings. But at the end of the day, this night is an advertisement for movies and the glory of movies and the glory of Hollywood – can you please think of that first and foremost before you give a, a speech, a presentation, a rant, anything? I would do that, and I would streamline the – got to make the, the night shorter, uh, and I do think you have to cut some categories, the live action, short, things like that. I know it's insulting to the people who work very, very hard in them, but the vast, vast majority of moviegoers have no connection to that. Maybe there's another way to honor them. Maybe there's another way that we can kind of throw our – support and the spotlight around those artists but i don't think that night is it because so many people are at home thinking i've never seen this i've never heard of this i've never connection to this i am bored i'm going to the bathroom or getting fixing myself a snack so i think those are just a couple ideas but it's got to be shorter and i i think this whole we have we're living in a time and i've wrote about this on my website where there's great tv great with a capital g Mm, and there's yeah. great stand-up comedy everywhere, on every channel, every platform, you, from YouTube to movies and stages. And yet they can't craft a funny 10-minute monologue. There's something wrong there. I don't know why that is. You can have any, any sort of mediocre comic can write five killer minutes to go on Colbert or any sort of late-night show. They can't make 10 funny minutes about Hollywood. I, I, don't, know, I don't know why, what's going on there. But they've got to fix that. They've got to, they've got to make this show about Hollywood entertaining, legitimately fun and funny. And if they need to bring in outside consultants, maybe that's what they need to do. But by golly, this night should be roaring and funny. And the banter, the, the, the sort of the scripted lines of the presenters should be sharp and interesting. And it never is. They've got to figure that out. It doesn't seem hard, but I don't know why they can't do it.
0: I think – I honestly think it's probably connected to the whole political bent that it's leaned towards in that the more political it's gotten, I think the more seriously it's taken itself. And like, well, now you know, this is our role. This is our responsibility. We have to make some sort of commentary. We have to make some sort of stand. And that – if that's your mindset, consciously or subconsciously going into it, then that impedes the ability to write good jokes because you can't lampoon yourself. The same way if you need to preserve – if you think you need to preserve some of your cred. I wanted
2: to say exactly that, but I didn't want to say exactly that, so I'm I'm thankful (laughs) you said it because that's my exact thought. Their initial impulse is not to entertain. It's to be proud and strong and empowering and send a message. No, this is entertainment. That's your job. Sometimes entertainment will enlighten us. Sometimes entertainment will kind of share a message, and that's perfectly fine. But your job that night is to sh- is to razzle and dazzle us with entertainment, and they don't do it anymore. The show is deadly dull. And it's been that way for years, and I'm sure it's gonna be that way this month.
1: All right. Last know. last question for you, Christian. Are you gonna be rooting for anything at the Oscars? Do you care I, even that much?
2: I don't think I care. I'm the you only know, care the movie that I, I really loved uh without reservation was Green Buck, it's not gonna win much of anything. Um
1: Great acting in that.
2: What, what am I? I don't know. I, I have no rooting. You know, when I, I remember, when I, was, I was a little boy, I rooted for Star Wars, and then was like a, a younger man, I rooted for Kevin Kline to win Fish Cole Wanda, and he won. I, I just, I and I think when the song for Once came out, I was rooting for that. I don't really have a rooting interest anymore, and I and I feel a bit disconnected. Like you said, a quiet place should be among the best picture <laughs> nominees. It's not.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. So I, I you know, Vice. You know, I hate it for a dozen reasons, but the bottom line is that Vice did not get great reviews. It got terrible re- reviews. Yeah, and the fact that it's up there, that's, we, that's sort of a, a part of this conversation for another day is how it's getting more political with the voting. And that, that hurts its, its gravitas as well because it should be the best of the best. And if Vice was a great movie, then good. But no one is saying Vice is a great movie. So,
0: Well, we've, I've actually got a, a cure for your Oscar slump for next year. It won't help you much this year, but um, you can – we would like to personally invite you to be a part of the sophomore season of the Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All Fantasy Movie Season Awards oh. League. And uh, that's it's a game changer. It's a game changer. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's really going to – I think it's going to bring the show back to the people, the way we get to, we get to create our fantasy teams out of these movies. because so I, I'm right here, right now. Yeah, because I'm rooting for something at the Oscars right now. I'm rooting for Black Panther to sweep in all the categories and for several of Paul's movies to be at the ceremony actually booted (laughs) – like lose their nominations. Exactly. Not just not win. The favorite is just – The favorite all of a sudden loses all of its nominations. They make a stunning – they make a stunning decision to just kick it out. Uh And so then I can win the first season, uh, which – is, yeah. That's the miracle I need right now to win the first inaugural season of the Fantasy Movie Award it'll season. It will be sort of like league. at this
1: point if, if the Patriots just lost the Super Bowl now. Right. You know? If they
0: stripped him of it, they retired Tom Brady, that would be great. Christian,
1: <laughs> thank you so much for being on here. Christian tell, us where,
0: tell everyone where they can catch you when they're not listening to you on our show.
1: Yep. Uh,
2: my website is HollywoodInToto.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Hollywood in Toto. And the Hollywood in Toto podcast comes out each Friday.
1: There you go. Thank you so much, Christian. Talk to you later. All right. Bye.
0: So I double I – du- if those of you that remember from earlier in the show <laughs> – I double outroed from the intro into the Hollywood and Toto interview exactly. with Christian Toto. So here, I'm going to double intro into an intro for our Lego Movie Two
1: discussion. It's also meta, which so, is sort of surprising, you know, appropriate. Yeah. The so
0: the, the one intro is to say, "Man, it was great to talk about the Oscars with Christian Toto, and I'm so happy that he finally we finally got his voice on the air with us." Christian, appreciate your time. <laughs> Appreciate, appreciate you, you know, navigating all the bumps we've had technology wise. He is
1: the most patient guest by far that yeah. we have had on. It's like you
0: know? Dosekis has the most interesting yeah. man in the world. Christian most- Toto gets the award for most patient man on the podcast. Yeah. Though that's not saying much. Paul's pretty impatient.
1: I am pretty impatient.
0: Intro two. You guys just heard the <laughs> you guys just heard me in the outro for the intro talk about that we were going to talk with Christian Toto about the Oscars, and that has imploded, and I am so upset. I am beside myself with furious, passionate rage that that disappeared. Well, and how do
1: you think Christian feels?
0: Christian's got to be upset. Christian, I'm sorry. Christian, I, I, I wish I could look you in the eye right now. It was now, all Jake's fault. Man That's to man, all I say. and say, "I'm sorry." I'm just. I'm. I, I, there's no excuses. There's no words. I don't know what happened. It's not meant to be. It's, it's not you. It's the universe. It's the universe. But in spite of that, I have to – the show must go on. I am a professional. I may not be paid to do this, but I am a professional.
1: Hey, I pay you every day in Sausage McMuffins. Paul pays me McMuffins.
0: in Sausage McMuffins yes. every other week.
1: Every other week. And that's okay. all
0: the professional contract I need. To move on to this segment, <laughs> well,
1: sausage McMuffins are worth it, really. <laughs>
0: and, and and that's because it's, I owe it to you guys, I owe it to myself to talk about Lego Movie Two. So let's do it, Lego Movie Two. This is the spoiler cast, so don't listen if you haven't watched the movie yet, or if you, if you ca- if you care about spoilers, but if you don't care about spoilers for the Lego Movie Two, then listen on, party on, with us. Paul, we saw the Lego Movie Two in the same theater, though not together.
1: Though not together, that's true.
0: Yeah, talk to me about your initial reaction versus as you've had time to think about it.
1: Okay, so Lego Movie Two, it is. It takes place five years after the original Lego
0: Movie. Well, it yeah. actually picks up in literally five seconds. That actually it picks up like five seconds before the Lego Movie.
1: Well, but ends. see that people are older, right? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Paul, I Paul, know Paul. What you're come on, come I on, come you. on. I the I
0: movie, yeah, the movie picks up five seconds before the Lego Movie. The first part ends exactly. Then flash forwards five years. Exactly. There you go.
1: Exactly. So come on. It's a much grittier, much darker, much more mature, as they'll say in the in the movie world. You know, it's now they've had
0: to flee the city, Bricksburg, create Apocalypseburg,
1: Apocalypseburg. yeah, it's it's a it's a dark and gloomy world, really, in Legoland.
0: Everything is not awesome.
1: Everything is not awesome. It has gone really Mad Max, and so you have these people just miserable. The only good things that they have anymore are coffee, apparently, and they get this invitation. The bitter liquid that provides the only yeah, semblance of one. hope in this dark,
0: gritty universe. <laughs> so,
1: so they get a message from the Sistar system. And they get a wedding invitation, and they need to go there, or they're actually sort of kidnapped. As I was say, a wedding invitation
0: yeah. in the form of a kidnapping. Exactly, of it's a very, the groom, it's a very insistent of the groom and invitation. the the yeah. wedding party.
1: Yes, and so they get kidnapped, slashed, invited to the Sistar system, and they zip off, and yeah. It's a big old deal. Meanwhile, Emmett the main character is having these these impending visions of what he calls Armageddon where the entire world that they know and love is going to be banished to the bin the dark of hole
0: storage. of storage.
1: Yes. So, that's sort of the that's sort of where we are in the world of Lego 2.
0: We get into time travel
1: Exactly. There's a lot of time travel. There's a great new character, Rex... Danger Vest. (laughs) Rex Danger Vest, (laughs) who's a raptor trainer. I love the raptors, by the way. Um, Initial impressions? I loved it. I loved it. I don't know if I loved it as much as the original Mm -hmm. Lego movie, Um because the first one was just so new and different and exciting, we had never seen anything like that before. I we really, didn't
0: see the twist coming.
1: We didn't see the twist coming. This one had some of the same beats, but it was still very clever, still very well done. I thought it was. I thought it was kind of delightful, actually.
0: So that was your first impression. Have have you cooled or heated up on it, or stayed the same in the weeks since seeing the screening?
1: So one of the things that that is inherent. Okay, let me let me just fess up. Fess I up. am a guy who owns way too many Legos as mm-hmm. an adult and plays with them. No, builds with them all the time.
0: Oh, you don't you? Play. I don't play. I you play build. No, I you construct. play. Construct. That's construct. Correct. Come on.
1: So I'm I'm partial to to the Lego world anyway, right? And I'm sort of linked in with the Lego ecosystem. And I can't help but notice that, you know, when you go to the Lego site, how many Lego toys they have based on Lego 2. And, I mean, it's only natural. but
0: Why not? But
1: everything, literally, in this movie is pretty much a commercial for, you know, Lego products. And and so that is, that would be my one caveat. In in that Lego 2 is creative and fun and well written and has some good messages to it and surprisingly layered and yet on the, on the flip side it really is the most commercial movie there is you know it in some ways it can feel with all that still being true it is a very cynical 100-minute exercise in product placement, you mm. know? So it's, it's a pretty fascinating dynamic. And so because of that, because of that, that commercialism that is sort of a, a part of it, it mitigates some of my enthusiasm for the movie without diminishing the fact that I'm probably going to get this movie and watch it again.
0: Mm. And I want to know, have you purchased any new Legos Okay. as a result of seeing this movie? Did you buy a Lego Bruce Willis?
1: If they have a Lego Bruce Willis, I will be buying it. <laughs> there. Is no question that was the best part of the movie. I loved, I loved Lego Bruce Willis. Okay, loved Lego. But Bruce you haven't bought and yet. and I may have to buy some Raptors because the Raptors are pretty cool.
0: You have, but you haven't bought them yet. Have you bought anything yet based on this movie?
1: No, I haven't ba- bought anything yet based on. But the, you're this planning on. I just bought the the batman space shuttle so, so i'm
0: sort of behind you're, you know? you're trying to save up your money exactly save because up your allowance they're
1: expensive you know
0: yeah do we? So, need, do you need me to talk to wendy about upping your allowance
1: well you need to give me some money is what needs to happen
0: oh <laughs> wow this this quickly turned into commercialism for, for paul's for paul's bank his, yeah no, his wallet you,
1: you really need to give me some money <laughs> so what
0: about you all right so um Similarly, like I, I knew I was truly wondering how and they would.
1: You loved Lego Batman, I, right? That was your Lego that's your, Batman. That was your favorite version of Batman ever, right?
0: It, he is, yeah. Lego Batman is still my favorite version of Batman out there.
1: And you love the Lego movie,
0: and I really like the Lego movie. Um, like, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I, I put the Lego movie and the Lego Batman movie just in my own personal. Ranking system, I rank I rank both of them at nine and a half.
1: Ooh. Yeah, uh,
0: wow. out of ten.
1: And of Be- all the movies we've done here, I think you know when we've gone into our backlist, All of Shame. Very, I think the highest you've ever gone is eight.
0: Right. Uh, they to me the Lego Movie, you know the first one, it came out and it was a blast to watch. It was fun. It was kid friendly, but also the a lot of the jokes were for the adults yeah. without being crass. Yeah. And so it had it was appealing. No, kind of no matter how old you were and then the twist that it had and you know making this father son story that's going to get me every time oh, so or nice. almost every time yeah. no, some I people can that. botch it but it was just you didn't see it coming plus it was sweet and sentimental and connected to your nostalgia for playing with legos and why you play with legos and what's build the magic of legos build and why do you build with them yeah. and so like this is amazing. Then, like, a Batman movie came out, and where it wasn't quite as sentimental, even though it did have moments of sentiment, as the Lego movie, it was even more entertaining and faster. Like, it is a mile a minute. Like, it confirms all of Paul's wrong stereotypes about <laughs> me. But if there's one movie he wants to point to and be like, this confirms everything about Jake and his stereotypes is how fast the Lego Batman movie goes. Right. I mean, it is just clipping along.
1: frenetic.
0: The story's moving. The visuals are moving. The jokes are moving. Like you actually have to watch it multiple times. And I've watched it while driving a car. <laughs> I, I haven't that, personally – but that's, that's – no, no. Not illegally. The kids are watching it behind me. So all I can do is hear it through the speakers, right? And I – it's fun to listen to and not even be able to see because you catch different yeah. jokes when you're not distracted by the visuals. And so it's it's so it's so like a nine and a half on the entertainment scale, right? Right. And uh, so th- I was curious to see what they would do and how they could even do anything with Lego Movie 2 without making us feel disappointed because the first one came out of nowhere, surprised us all, had – Twists and turns.
1: So were you bracing yourself for disappointment? I kind of was. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I mean not – I still had a lot of optimism in me for it. Um, but I was bracing myself somewhat mm-hmm. to say, look, they can't surprise me the right. same way they did the first right. time. I have to just know that and not be expecting it. And um, what I, I would actually put Lego Movie 2 down to um, an eight.
1: You know coming back to
0: it's not a nine and a half for me
1: so okay so now what was your problem with it compared yeah. to the was it just the lack of surprise was it was it because this was a world that you were familiar with and so that that delight that you experienced just wasn't there or was it more than that
0: yeah some of it is I mean there's there's a like it or not, it didn't have that surprise that impacts that enjoyment, right? And that you're the sheen that a movie can have. Or like the Lego movie, the first one will always have this nostalgic sheen in my mind of, man, remember when this like just caught us all off guard. Lego Movie 2 doesn't have that. But it also starts pretty slow, I thought, for like about the first – for about the first third of the movie, it, the pace it really takes a while to move into where the story is actually going somewhere. Sure. It's really just all this sort of meandering setup, and it's not bad, but at the same time, it it feel it there was a noticeable different in the pacing of the storytelling that I thought was so well done in the first one and so well done in Lego Batman. You know, even though they were different speeds, sure. they were the right pace for the story they needed to tell. Whereas this one sort of meandered. It's not that it's slow. It just sort of meandered and then like tries to hit the gas. And um, I, it, that to me, I was kind of like, OK, when are we going to get somewhere? When is the story going to progress? And so that for me is probably what kind of drops it social down.
1: social media addled brain talking.
0: About <laughs> Again, I'm talking about the right pace for the story.
1: Right. I thought it was the perfect pace.
0: Okay, why was it the perfect place? Well,
1: I think, and this is really a rabbit trail that that is of no consequence, but, you know, I think that that to set up the world, especially the sort of the Mad Max world that they really wanted to, to explore, you needed to take some time to experience it. You know, when you watch those... Not that any kid who's going to Lego 2 is going to be watching a lot of Mad Max movies. But when you watch those movies, you definitely get a sense of the oppression, the grimness of the world. And I think that, that the slower pace that you're talking about is sort of to, to introduce us to that world so that we don't forget about it. Because as you say, once the invitation comes from the system, it goes. right. And I think that you need to see... You need to really experience sort of this grim world. And the real core of the movie is, of course, Emmett's misplacement, seeming misplacement within this grim world. He's still this very optimistic, bubbly character. And the the bleakness of the world inclines itself. You almost need a slower pace to, to understand that world. Sure. Does that
0: make sense? No, it does. And I, I'm not disagreeing... With it entirely. I'm just saying, I don't think they quite found the perfect. Like, and again, it's like we've talked about in the past. With Pixar movies, when everything has been so, so good, then you start to have a different standard for Pixar movies than you do for other movies. And so you think about things differently. So when I say that it was slow and that impacted my enjoyment of it, I'm talking about the different – like someone going 63 in a 65-mile-per-hour zone. Right. They're still going – basically the right speed and it's you know not a problem but it's mildly irritating when you want to go 67 you know right or 65 exactly and you're like look you can get two miles per hour more out of this bad boy like you can get perfect yeah and so i think it's it's it, it suffers from the yeah. first one being su- being that exact like, boy, they got that 65 miles per hour on the nose. Right. And this one's uh, – I felt like you a little – I want to go a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, not fast but right. just slightly fast. So anyways, it's a nitpicky thing.
1: Yeah, but it, it is interesting that you mentioned that because as, as I'm thinking about it, um, when I was watching it in the screening with a whole bunch of kids – I noticed that at the very beginning, there wasn't quite as much laughter for some right. of the certain funny things that happened. There was some really funny stuff that happened, but you don't hear sort of that audience buy-in. And I mm-hmm. think the audience took just a little bit longer to buy into that movie to get to your point.
0: Right. Um, so, yeah, but uh, but where it gets to and what it does with time travel and uh, and how it incorporates the real-world setting yeah. into it, even though it's not a surprise – per se, but it's still a delight. It was a delight to me. Yeah. And it acknowledges the ridiculousness of time travel concepts in movies. Exactly. And so you don't have to worry about whether or not it makes sense because, look, we're, ta- we're watching yeah. a movie about Legos and imagination and time travel. So, right. hey, don't don't worry about trying to connect all the dots. It never works anyway. It
1: never works. Yeah. <laughs> there are really some huge plot holes in this movie. But again, That's kind they, of the point. it goes so quickly in, in the, the, the meaning behind it all. You know, the time travel concede, and since you already talked a little bit about this, it's going to be spoiler-heavy. Yep. What they did with, with Emmett and Rex, I think, was pretty brilliant. Yep. You know, I think that that they're one and the same person, as it turns out. And, and and the fact that they're both voiced by Chris Pratt, you know, sort of the Parks and Rex version of, of Chris Pratt is, right. is is Emmett, and the <laughs> Jurassic World version of Chris Pratt is is obviously Rex— The idea of these two characters sort of uh, learning from each other or or dealing with each other I think is a really fascinating thing that, that this movie does really well. And it gets to the whole purpose of the movie, which really resonated with me. The idea of when you realize that the world isn't as awesome as maybe we thought it was when we were seven or eight, how do we deal with that reality? Do we become harder? Do we become... Um, more cynical or do we as the movie is, explicitly says do we open our hearts do we try to become even more tender in some ways right um, that's a really profound point I think and in some ways a little bit spiritual
0: right well if you want to completely Jesus juke it, it's very spiritual <laughs> in that Jesus said if you want to inherit the kingdom and bring the kingdom right then you've exactly. got to become like a child and what is a child a child is trusting a child is loving a child is more compassionate not perfectly children right. still have issues and they still have selfishness and they still have lack of compassion and all that sort of thing but they're much more open to those emotions than our cynical jaded adult selves tend to be and so there's there's this there is a connection there between the fact that biblically we are supposed to remain more loving and tender and compassionate and kind towards our neighbors than we want to be when we're jaded by the brokenness of the world yeah. And so there's a, there's a good tie there. There's a good message of how that applies with our siblings and those that we work with. And I'm like, this is a movie I've been actively saying since watching this to my wife multiple times, like, I can't wait for my other kids to see this. Cause I took one of my kids, but not all four, um, because they need to hear this message <laughs> exactly. about working play nicely play with, nicely each, with other. each other. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, and, and since we're both older siblings, I mean, we totally understand the frustration that that Finn, that the boy, feels in this movie. Right. You know, because younger siblings they're just annoying; they just are. <laughs> but, but I think that there's there's a point where you really need to be um, generous, and there's some really marvelous things ca- that can happen when you when you try to play with someone who's younger than you. This is what I try to hold on to. Every single podcast we do, actually, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there you go. Really, it's a the Lego Movie Two is a metaphor for the fanboy know it all podcast right. behind the scenes. That's right, and that's why this this episode's coming to you right Stop now. Stop
1: taking my stuff.
0: <laughs> and uh, what did you guys think of Lego Movie Two? I'm fascinated because I think I think there's going to be some people that I think most people are going to like it, but the the sh- The data is showing that maybe not as many people are flocking to it and so I'm curious to know why. That is, if they're too cynical and jaded, if the movie is making a statement about its own audience. Uh, What do you think? You can hit me up on the Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson.
1: And I am at AC Paul.
0: But now it's time for the most least important thing. The most least important thing. <laughs> pregnant pause. Pregnant pause. One of my favorite things are pregnant pauses. But we're here in the most least <laughs> important thing. And uh, I'm going to throw a curveball at us today, Paul. All righty. In that I'm going I'm to tackle a subject that I don't know if we've really tackled in this space.
1: Boy, it seems like we've, tackled, t- we've talked about a
0: lot, of, a lot. We've tackled yeah. a lot of things. But speaking of tackling, tackled. it's time for football. Yeah. It's time for football. What do you think about Kyler Murray? Ooh, because this is actually a football slash baseball thing. Did right, you hear the right. news about Kyler I did Murray? Hear the news. He's decided – so the, for the, I'll set this up real quick for those of you who don't know. Kyler Murray was a first-round draft picked by the Oakland A's in the Major League Baseball draft a year ago. But, and, 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 but they decided to allow him to play one more year of college football. Uh, Which is pretty unusual. They gave him some guaranteed money and then they allowed him to play college football. I think their hope was that it would get it out of his system, right? right? He's a good football player. But he went and played his college football season. He was incredible at it. One of the best seasons a quarterback has ever had in college football. Won the Heisman and now has made the decision to play football professionally instead of baseball professionally. And I wanted to get your thoughts on whether or not you think he made the right decision.
1: Honestly, I don't think he did.
0: Why not? Because I think he did.
1: I'll be interested to hear about that. I I think that, number one, uh, I think that you can make more money playing baseball than you can football, I think, generally speaking. Although he's a a quarterback, and so that might might change things a little bit. It does. I I also think that baseball, simply when you're looking at your career, like if for some reason – my son was hugely talented in both football and baseball. I would probably encourage him to do baseball, even though I'm more of a football fan myself, because baseball is just safer. It I is really safer. I really do worry about sort of the all the concussions that that you hear about, and 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 even outside the concussions, there's just there's just a great deal of danger to doing your body some serious and lasting damage. I understand the love of the game. I understand. Um, how fun and exciting and and entertaining it can be both as a player and as a viewer. Um, But baseball just feels like if I was looking at it for a career, baseball is something that you can say, I'm going to do this for 15 years, get out of it and be relatively healthy.
0: Right. And I think that's where as tough as this is, the concussion thing certainly complicates it because that can be really dangerous and is a problematic aspect of it. But baseball is a sport he could get back into. He could play three years of football and then the A's still have the rights to him. He His body is still in good baseball shape because look at Bartolo Colon. If Bartolo Colon <laughs> if he can,
1: do it, can play baseball
0: really? at 40-some years old and as <laughs> hefty a man as he is, Kyler Murray could do it at 25 years old and do great. But he stands actually to be able to play right away. Whereas he wouldn't be doing that in right. the Major League Baseball. He'd have to go through the Farm League. So he wouldn't be in his – so your odds in baseball of making – like you, your ability to make tons of money is technically greater. You can get bigger contracts. Right. But percentage-wise, the number of players that are able to get to that in baseball is much lower. Right. Whereas right. he can as a first-round draft pick in the NFL. at the If he was the last pick of the first round, he's going to get $8 million plus. Right.
1: And in a quarterback-hungry league. You know, right. So he's probably going to be
0: making double-digit millions in, in his first couple of years as a quarterback. And if it doesn't work out, then he can still go back to baseball and have a long run. Career there, provided he doesn't have a catastrophic injury. Yeah. And, but if things go well in football, he can be, he has actually a higher percentage chance of making as much money or more money in football than he would have in baseball. His percentages are better. Right. So that's why – but you, it's really difficult to play baseball for a while and then break into the NFL. In fact, I don't know that that's ever I don't know happened. if it's ever been done, yeah. And so I think vice versa though can and has happened. And so that's why I don't – I think it was probably a good money move for yeah. Kyler Murray. But it's going to be fascinating to find out. He's been the talk for a long time and he'll continue to be. Uh, but I, I – I, I wanted to see what you thought because this is a divisive issue. No, it's,
1: it's a fascinating issue, and I, I think that you make good points. And I think that, that maybe in in the ultimate scheme of things, it, it might just sort of depend on what sport you love to play, right? I think that, that life is short makes enough a big difference. where you need to go where you – something that you feel passionate about. Yeah. You know, and if you if baseball is a job and football's wonderful and you don't feel like you're at a job when you're playing football, maybe that's the way to go. I wouldn't advise it, but that's just me.
0: That's just Paul, and he's never played in either.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, or here's another possibility for him. Okay. He could work at Disney. Disney. Because Disney is going to make all of the money. All of the money next year. How so? Okay. Have you heard about Disney's roster? Do you know what Disney's they're coming? Disney's roster? Roster of movies that are coming out. No.
0: Okay. I don't – I'm not a Disney fanboy. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but I'm pretty meh about Disney as a brand. I don't love it or hate it. But there's the properties thing. it has that I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that and there's properties that have that it has where I'm like, eh, yeah, I didn't like that at all. Yeah. So it, I'm pretty I have zero fanboyishness in me for Disney.
1: I have I have a slight, You have a lot. I I have a little bit. I have a little bit. I like the I like bit. the things. You run I the like Disney the Marathon, will, you take
0: yes. your family on vacations to Disney. Disney World
1: is great. But I it trust me, I've seen some of these these really Disney fan people, they're a little bit scary. True. And this is gonna That be I agree year. with. This is gonna be the year where you are going to give half of your discretionary income to Disney. Okay. Because so in March, uh uh-huh. Captain Marvel is coming out.
0: Captain Marvel.
1: In April, Avengers Endgame
0: is Endgame. coming out.
1: You also have Aladdin, a live version of Aladdin coming out.
0: Though the trailer
1: has oh, been – Oh, it looked
0: terrible. It has been pre-panned. Yeah. But yeah. people are still going to pay money to see it. Who are we They're here?
1: still going to pay money to see it because it's a really popular you know, yeah. franchise, right? The Lion King, the live version of The Lion King is coming live
0: out. Live version.
1: Live version it's of The Lion It's not live, King. people. And then, and then toward the end of the year –
0: Don't we have Spider-Man coming out this year too?
1: Spider-Man is coming out. And then you've got Frozen 2 and the final. Is that really going to hit in 2019? Yes. Yes, it's coming out. And then you've got the final episode of the trilogy of trilogy Star Wars movies, right? Episode 9 is coming out. Is that coming like out this year? Yes. So you have two humongous franchises coming to a pseudo close. And like where these books are actually going to be closed. You know they're going to make movies after that. But yeah, for sure. this is the concluding chapter for two of them. These are going to be – I think when I look at this roster of movies, you could have – I think you could really have the top five movies of next year being all Disney movies, which is incredible. They're going to make – If
0: if true, <coughs> excuse me, that would be incredible.
1: And then to top that off, Fox. They're going to be buying up Fox. So they've got movies from How that. is
0: that not going to be stopped? Like I, I I'm – I'm totally jaded with our whole anti-monopoly, you know, antitrust stuff that that's not going to be stopped. That shouldn't be allowed. Disney already owns all the – like –
1: Disney already owns everything.
0: And so so maybe it's at least – uh, I don't know. It should have been stopped a long time ago, but at least can I we admit it's it when through. it buys Fox? Yeah, come on. Uh, like, I think
1: it's going to go through. Why? So uh. you've got Dark Phoenix coming from from 20th Century. Fox good
0: grief! And, you know and good grief! Finally. I don't want to get into politics, but this is ridiculous.
1: Disney is launching their streaming service as well.
0: I'm curious to see if they can, because they can be doing compl- doing with streaming Netflix.
1: Service. You've got kids, so you've got to be doing. I don't
0: know if I'm buy it. I don't know if I'm going to. I don't know if I'm going to. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's, I, I at this point, with how big Disney is becoming, it's kind of like with the Patriots, where now I'm actively <laughs> rooting against them, and I'm like, take away all the things. I hope you no. fail miserably. No, I hear that because you have too many things. I like, it, hear that. that. It's my problem with I like ESPN, but pff, darn it, Disney owns ESPN. So are you going to be boycotting uh, Endgame then? I'm not boycotting Disney. I'm just saying I'm rooting for their downfall.
1: <laughs> Actually, you want Endgame to be great but Disney to lose yeah, money. Yeah,
0: right. Somehow I want to enjoy the movie and enjoy Disney's lack of success. Is that too much to ask? I don't think so but i guess we'll have to see we will have to see we'll talk about it on this very show thank you guys for joining us hey you know what can you leave us a review on itunes i'd like to you know bump us up onto the new and noteworthy section cuz we're growing
1: or just tell us how we're, we're doing growing. how we can Paul we've got better. over
0: 3500 listens on this bad boy goodness gracious and that's exciting
1: that's all that is
0: exciting but i want those reviews i want to bump up onto the new and noteworthy and, and double the amount of friends we have in the digital space triple it quadruple it Let's be the new Disney ourselves. So leave us a review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. Paul would really appreciate it. Yes. And uh, talk to us on the Twitter again. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm
1: at AC Paul.
0: But until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Bye.